can't get the sound to stop in my head. It's just, he keeps talking. It's like Khan. <laughs> it's like the SETI alpha worm yeah. that goes in. <laughs> to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture and its influence today. Hey, my name is Will. Joining me, as always, are my friends and co-hosts, Kat and John. Hey, guys. Hi, guys. Hello, hello, hello. Good to be back. Yeah. Did I forget one of the news stories I was missing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I re- I, I- <laughs> I was rearranging them shuffle, and I forgot shuffle. to finish. There we go. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Hey, uh, uh, on... <laughs> Hey, uh, on this episode, as many others, and as long as the future as we can see it, we are streaming to you live right now on Facebook and you. <laughs> John's like, what? What is he prognosticating? We are streaming live right now on Facebook and YouTube as we record this podcast episode. Please join us any Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on mm-hmm. Facebook or YouTube. Mm-hmm. Or don't, or we might not be there. Any of those things is a scenario that's possible. And also, hey, please also check out our friend, uh, John, uh, his very own podcast and YouTube channel, Gen X Grown Up. That's him down there. Yeah, yeah thank you. Hey, on, on, on today's show, we're going to uh, be talking about the power of music as it relates to evoking memories. <gasps> oh. We've touched upon this here and there when we've talked about music. We've mm-hmm. talked about music from the 1980s uh, many times. And on occasion, we've talked about, mm-hmm. hey, this song brings me back to this certain memory. Mm-hmm. But why is that? How is that possible? And, uh, you know, it turns out it's actually a universal phenomenon and uh, there's some science behind it. But not only that, so I'm not going to bore you entirely with that. I'm going to play some <laughs> songs for you, at least some clips. And we're just going to see between you, including the live audience and my co-host here, mm-hmm. whether or not these songs trigger any memories. And if they do, All we'll right. share them. All right. So on and so forth. You may need to play more than half a second for the trigger a memory. So ah, no, 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 no. I'm going to give you this half a second, but mm. I'm going to give you clues about your own life. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Like a like the blipvert of musical memory jarring. Yeah. Blipvert? Yes. What's blipvert? Blipvert are the like yeah, super that? fast, like two frame commercials that were featured in Max Headroom. That's what the company was doing to people. Oh. Subliminal <laughs> advertising, blipverts. Is that right? I don't remember. Yeah. That was the TV, the TV show, I guess. I brought that 1980s to now. See what I did? It's amazing. Yeah, there you go. Right. No, it's going to be like, okay, uh, John, here's your musical clue. <laughs> and here is your uh, memory clue. It's Third grade, Sally. Ah. Stationary closet. Oh, when I peed my pants. Perfect. There you go. You got it. It's a great game. See, they're easier when they involve your own life. <laughs> Way easier. <laughs> yeah. And a bunch of folks ch- uh, chimed in on social media as to the songs that to trigger their memories. And uh, we'll share some of those with you as we go along as well. Okay. Hey, but before that, we're going to talk about 1980s news. And I mean like, all right, not right now. Hey, before, <laughs> before that though, we're going to talk about 19, uh, we're going to get caught up on uh, news stories related to 1980s media, including, I didn't write anything for these. So let's see. A uh, roadhouse turns out may have used AI. I'm talking about the new roadhouse film may have used yeah. AI to finish the movie. And there's a, Hmm. Shady reason uh, that they may have done that. Shadier than just using AI, which grosses me out anyway. Uh, yeah. There is a forthcoming Cola Wars movie. Oh, I have one for your third one. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. Oompa Loompa, doobity doo. We have one more story for you. There we go. John. <laughs> that's, 
That's all I could <laughs> do. That was fantastic. <laughs> Best I could do. So again, join him on Gen X Grown Up for all that kind of <laughs> sort of thing. For just that kind of ridiculous witty banter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, a quick announcement. Hey, listen to uh, our my chat uh, this later this week with Liz Worth. Mm. She wrote a book that's the definitive, if not the only book, uh, about the history of a. Uh, Punk in Toronto. It's a tribute like dirt an oral history of punk in Toronto and beyond 1977 mm-hmm. through 1981. But Liz mm-hmm. actually got my attention because she also hosts a podcast forever eighties. Oh. And I first came across her because she's been chatting with some of the younger folks and some of the folks that uh, I think we've chatted with as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the influencers on Instagram and social, other social mm-hmm. media that mm-hmm. uh, are far younger than we are, but are <laughs> carrying on an eighties lifestyle in one way or another. They're ah. into the music or they're creating the music or they really into the fashion. Mm-hmm. And uh, Liz heard the goal of Liz's podcast is really just to explore. How is that? Why is that? Mm-hmm. You know, these folks didn't grow up in that era. Why is they so fascinated with it? Cause it's the best stuff ever. Yeah. That's why. Anyway, Liz and I had a really cool chat about that and nostalgia and all sorts of things. And it was a great chat and I'll hear that on Friday and I'll be on her show in a few weeks and I'll let you know, certainly when that's going to be happening. Forever, Big time. All Let's right. Walk. Hey, Let's get caught up on 1980s news. Hey, uh, this week in 1980s news, as reported by uh, Screen Crush, did the Roadhouse reboot use AI? Mm. I think this is fascinating. You know I love legal stuff, and AI oh, just yeah. pisses me off anyway, so. <laughs> anyway, a new law- lawsuit claims that the creators of the upcoming Roadhouse remake took, quote, extreme measures to finish the film under a tight deadline, including using artificial intelligence. Uh, as detailed mm. in the Los Angeles Times, the suit was brought by R. Lance Hill, who's known by his a pen name, David Lee Henry, who was actually a co-writer of the original Roadhouse. Mm-hmm. He claims that when he attempted to regain the copyright to the original film uh, from MGM, uh, United Artists, which is now owned by Amazon, mm-hmm. the company pushed ahead with their planned remake anyway. Uh, per the suit, the copyright for the Roadhouse script expired in November of 2023. And so, quote, Amazon went so far as to take extreme measures to try to meet this November 10th, 2023 deadline at considerable cost, including by resorting to the use of AI during last year's sag Astra strike. Despicable. Mm-hmm. It's probably it's true. Yeah. And among the most, I think, despicable mm-hmm. things they did as far as using AI is using it to replicate the voices of the, at least according to the suit, of the actors in the film because mm-hmm. they weren't available to, you know, for ADR, for reshoots, that sort of thing. Right. So they, yeah. Yeah. At least uh, this claim alleges, John, you're shaking your head. You, you, well, let me, let me yeah. ask you this. So I read the article yeah. and I started off furious mm-hmm. and the closer I got to the end, mm-hmm. the more I'm like, eh, <laughs> like, I'm not sure how furious I am. There are a couple of camps of thought, I guess, even in my own head. One is replacing the actors with AI reprehensible. Not, not a good deal across the board. And then the more I got further in the article, it's like, well, maybe it wasn't that it was for the film, but for the production of the film, right? So that suggests like, mm-hmm. oh, well, maybe they used it. Like, you ever see a movie that, uh, like a special feature on a DVD and you have the, just the rough sketches of an animation, they didn't use that scene yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm imagining mm-hmm. like, oh, for pacing and for editing and for showing it in the, uh, seeing the progress and dailies, maybe they needed to show what it would be like with these things. Now, in that case, just have a, a grip, read the line so you can do the pacing if that's the case. Duplicating <laughs> the actual artist's voice, mm-hmm. that's a little sketchy, I guess. And it sounds like yeah. maybe they were going to half use it and got their hand caught in a cookie jar. Because I can't find a good reason to just use a, like a placeholder voice 
why do you got to have AI to make sure we got to make sure it sounds like him? Well, do you really? It depends yeah. how they used it. But okay, I think yeah, any yeah. way they use yeah. it, it's a little wrong. It could be a lot wrong, but maybe it's a little wrong only. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like, I, there's some things I don't understand about this for sure, and mm. I'm hoping that you can you can guys can help explain it. Yeah. What what would be how how would he have evidence for his suit? You know the, mm-hmm. the original uh, like what evidence yeah. would he have to show or bring to, to make this viable? Yeah, well, according to Los Angeles Times, there was an anonymous source that at least they quoted that okay. said that AI was uh, they've suggested that AI was used to to do this uh, during production. But mm-hmm. th- that source also said, "quote If AI was used during production, it was only during early cuts of the film." Oh, uh, studio okay. executives instructed the filmmakers to remove any AI, AI or non-union performers from the final cut. End quote. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that might hmm. be it, but maybe. Okay. I, I think, yeah. and I think maybe just take an issue or a different angle from what John is saying is, first of all, the thing that really pisses me off more than the AI is this copyright thing, this thing that they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to try to, seems like to screw this guy out of his rights to his own, his original script. Yeah. But with regard to the AI, you know, John, even if it was temporary, like an animatic, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. I guess to continue your metaphor, it might be if you hired a, you know, a non-union guy to do the animatics, you know, right. um, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. you're still using an end run that helps you get closer to meeting that November yeah. 10th deadline. Yeah. It's like something, you've got a scab mm-hmm. that came in to do the animatic or something. Yeah. And, and really, I guess the more I think about it, I think there's no scenario where I'm not a little mad about it, but uh, mm-hmm. if it was so important that it sounded like that artist- well, then you yeah. needed the artist, in which case yeah. now you did an end run around the artist, as you said, you know, it, it seems yeah. unless somebody was just, you know, hey, look, my son figured out how to <laughs> how to get Conor McGregor's <laughs> voice on his computer. Oh, let's plug Check it in. It'll be funny. I'm sure it's not that mm-hmm. sense, that, that innocent. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you had to have it, you needed it, in which case you need the artist and you, yeah, you kind of you scabbed him. Yeah. You broke the line. Well, with regard to the copyright uh, part of it, uh, which again, sort of upsets me more, is copyright law currently allows writers to reclaim mm-hmm. rights uh, to works that were written after 1975, okay. 35 years after the rights were transferred to a studio. So if I write a script on my own, mm-hmm. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a work for, it's not a work for hire. So I'm not an employee of the company. Mm-hmm. I write a spec script. I go to different studios. Once one of them buys it, I transfer it to them in 35 years. I can get those rights back. I can reclaim them. Mm-hmm. And the writer of this, again, uh, R. Lance Hill, claims that that's exactly what he did. But he, they moved forward with making this film anyway mm-hmm. and, you know, tried to get it in short of that, that the deadline that would have allowed him to recapture his rights, even though he mm-hmm. notified them years before. Plenty of time for them mm-hmm. not to make this film. <laughs> so Yeah. They kind of were procrastinating, it seems like. <laughs> Quick, let's yeah. get it in. Yeah, and it reminds me, John, you, John, I'm sure you know, you alluded to the, the Fantastic Four from the 80s a couple of episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, was that Roger Corman or somebody yes. that they had make yeah. that? It was really yeah. awful. But Fox, for the longest time, has owned you know the rights to the Fantastic Four and some other Marvel properties that Marvel sold them a long time ago before Marvel anticipated making their own films or having their own studio. Yeah. And part of them keeping the rights out of the hands of reverting back to Marvel was they had to create a movie like every certain amount of years. So they'd make crappy movies and they would just shelve them like Warner Brothers does now with good movies. Oh, right. <laughs> right. They just put them on a shelf. Yeah. Uh, so, and they would hurry up to beat these deadlines with whatever, you know, low budget, whatever minimum budget was necessary to get it done. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in recent years, similar suits have, have been brought by other writers for, for uh, these copyright reasons, including the original writers of The Predator, 
uh, for example, mm-hmm. brought suit against Disney after they mm-hmm. acquired Fox, uh, mm-hmm. though that was uh, eventually settled out of court. Uh, Hill's lawsuit alleges the movie was com- actually completed, though, in January of this year, mm-hmm. two months after the deadline. Mm-hmm. So maybe they used AI to make something that they could say was complete before November 10th. Mm-hmm. But in reality, after November 10th, and they really, hey, Jake, you got to get in here. We just had AI do your lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's December, you know, or January. I'm seeing here in the live chat, I see the Marcus is asking, hey, if the actors are okay with it, why is it an issue? Maybe the wrong people are upset about this. And the way I understand it, it's all about the strike. It doesn't even matter if the actors are okay with it. If they were, right. they were in fact breaking the strike. Right. But I, yeah, the article doesn't say, it suggests that it was without anybody's knowledge. There's no accusations mm-hmm. of you know, Hall or anybody breaking the strike. I think it's really, it seems like they weren't available and therefore you used some reason you had to have their voice for something, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the issue is that you were, you were breaking the strike for them against their will by simulating their presence. Right. And even if actors are okay with you breaking the strike, that doesn't matter. That doesn't, matter. doesn't make any difference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah right. The, the union would have an issue with that. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. the bigger issue, uh, again, is the copyright is the fact that they utilize that maybe to dick this guy over out of his script yeah. rights, rights to his script that he was entitled to. Right. Uh, the good thing for him is uh, this gentleman, this writer Hill is that he's got an attorney, Mark Toboroff, who, who is uh, quite uh, skilled at this sort of thing. He specializes in, intellect, in intellectual property and has a long track record of, of winning uh, summary judgments in similar copyright cases, including uh, mm-hmm. he did one on behalf of uh, the Friday the 13th creator, Victor Miller. Uh, we mm-hmm. talked about his issues a couple of years ago. Yeah. Right? And yeah. the family of a Superman. Uh, co-creator J- Jerry Siegel, helping them get uh, half uh, their uh, copyright interests for sure. uh, that hero. So mm-hmm. hopefully that means something for this guy. Yeah. Anyway, if this is true, yeah, it's it's really bad. But um, mm. yeah, we don't know right now. Anyway, of course, Amazon gave a statement to the Times claiming that Hill's suit is, quote, without merit. Mm-hmm. The film does not use any AI in place of actors' voices. We look forward to defending ourselves against these claims, end quote. Now, it doesn't say they never did. Correct. Yeah, right. <laughs> they may have. Yeah. Now, of course, this right. reminds me of uh, The Last Starfighter. You know, uh, the, the screenwriter of that, Jonathan Betchel, a couple of years ago, was going through the same exact thing. In 2019, mm. the rights were to revert back to him because it was yeah. 35 years, uh, you know, after The Last Starfighter. Probably, it was probably more by then. 35 mm-hmm. years since it came out in 2019, but he probably transferred the rights to them in 83, let's say. Anyway, uh, so he had planned to make a sequel, but he ran into some issues getting his rights back. And so to date, <gasps> there is nothing, you know, nothing mm-hmm. planned even though it was moving forward at one point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ooh. It doesn't make me uh, want to see the film any less. I'm still very excited about I, it. I am too. I'm curious. Does that make me a bad person? Because I also <laughs> am not, I'm like, I'm upset, but not so upset that I'm going to deny myself seeing a cool movie. I would be terrible at boycotting things. <laughs> I think I would too. Uh, let's see. In other 1980s news, and as reported by The Wrap, Sony acquires a script for the Cola Wars film. <laughs> now I gotta say, just off the top of my head here, uh, my first thought was, really? I mean, who cares? I was thinking rock and roll and cola wars. I can't take it anymore. But in reality, I would have said the same thing about the uh, Tetris movie. Yeah. About oh. the air, the sneaker movie. Yeah. And those movies were good. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see them. You know, so I'm not the person to judge, I suppose. And there's also like the the Apollo 13 conundrum where I already know how it turns out. Ah, yeah. But that didn't make yeah. that movie not good. So yeah. right. mm-hmm. I can see the Cold Wars. It's not about the outcome, these stories. We know the outcome. It's about 
finding out what was going on in the back rooms and on the ground and in the, in the, uh, yeah. in the boardrooms yeah. fighting about, you know, we know Pepsi is still number two, but how close did they get? <laughs> how nervous was Coke? That's the kind of stuff I want to see. Oh, I wish, I wish one of us was a real big fan of Pepsi. So we'd be like, fuck you, John! Come on, come <laughs> I just don't care enough about it. It's, it's- I'm a seven up girl myself. I didn't care about either of them at the mm. time. Although my mother, I have to say, my yeah. mom had us do a taste test. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? In her house, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I like that. <laughs> it was fun. Do you remember the results? Like if you got it right, if your siblings got it right? I don't remember. She's still I, waiting I on the results. <laughs> yeah, still, yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> a very right. long process. Mother cat, if you would get those results to us. <laughs> ring, ring well, the taste mama. test was a big deal during the Cola Wars. They, they would have, mm-hmm. the commercials were basically footage of, you know, how concocted they were, but of, oh, they're yeah. got a set up, but down on the boardwalk by the beach. They're like, I want you to try. Right. Is it Coke or Pepsi? Try Like, oh, I love this one. Ha ha, it's Pepsi. And yeah, yeah. but that always seemed ridiculous to me because I know what they taste like. They don't taste the same or even close. They're they're definitely one burns and one tastes like candy. That's the difference. (laughs) And look, these commercials, to your point, I guess, they're both brown liquids. I mean, they could be drinking literally anything. And the fact that they got, I like this one more. Cut. (laughs) And then, you know, but they cut to something else where it's Uh drink Pepsi. Told you. Hey, if you just if you've been sleeping in a cave uh, and you just woke up and came out, just so you know that starting around 1975, the Cola Wars saw these two rival companies fighting for dominance in pop culture, uh, as uh, John mentioned and, and Kat actually participated in. Uh, the Pepsi Cola implemented the Pepsi Challenge, which uh, focused on a blind taste test, and Coke did something crazier. Oh. They, uh, <laughs> they introduced new Coke. In 1985, I mean, it's kind of clever in a sense because mm-hmm. they're like, all right, you motherfuckers want Pepsi? You think you want Pepsi? <laughs> Guess what? No more Coke. <laughs> and then everybody was like, we missed Coke. The crazy thing is new Coke tasted more like Pepsi. It was basically sweeter. Yeah, true, yeah. It's like, oh. oh, if you think you like Pepsi, let's make the taste test even tougher. Now we yeah. taste more like them. Mm-hmm. I always assumed that's the kind of thing we can learn in a cool film like this. I always assumed yeah. that new Coke was yeah. a ploy. Let's take Coke off the market. Let's mm-hmm. get people get furious about it. And when we put back the old uh-huh. Coke classic, they're going to go crazy. And you know what? We did. Oh. We did. Yeah. Stupid <laughs> consumers <laughs> fell right into their hands. Yeah. I, I did that as a story a long time ago. I don't know. I don't think it was a true crime, but I did. I talked about the history of it. I don't remember it, but I think it was more that mm-hmm. than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, although they didn't, they never admitted it yeah. outwardly, mm-hmm. but someone investigated it in any way. Right. How yeah. big of an idiot would you have to be to absolutely destroy the formula that built an empire? Yeah. You're not going <laughs> to walk yeah. away from it. <laughs> you got to plan to be bringing it back. And if they were committed, they would have destroyed the recipe on TV. Right. (laughs) Geraldo Rivera would be there lighting the match. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They'd tell him, look, the only copy is in that vault. There it is. It's it's, (laughs) if you can get in. He's in surprise. (laughs) Well, Sony's now purchased this film, Cole Awards, which uh, focuses on this rivalry. Uh, The exact exact amount of the deal was not disclosed, but sources say it was close to $1 million, which I don't know. It sounds kind of cheap to get a... That story to me, when, considering how what these budgets are like. But I don't think there's a bidding war. I, feel, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. 
<laughs> the nostalgia boom is back, yeah, you know, I mean, or, or continues to roll on. If, mm-hmm. Particularly if you look at what we talked about, the, the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's a Beanie Baby uh, movie, the Beanie Baby. That's right. Or yep. the Beanie Bubble last yep. year. And Netflix is, in, in this May, is going to have a Pop-Tarts movie out. <gasps> oh, on board. Really? I yeah. am on board with the Pop-Tart movie. Yeah. I want to see that. There's a flaming, <laughs> yeah. a flaming hot Cheetos uh, docudrama no. as well. Yes, there is. This no. is just nuts. I'm, I'm not even making it up. It's about the guy who uh, allegedly was like a janitor who suggested yeah. the, the the formula for flaming hot Cheetos and didn't get recognition oh. at first. Yeah, there's a whole uh, docudrama about okay. it. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say that guy probably got screwed over. I mean, it's probably end of story. He went back home that night and went to bed and he came back to sweep the floors the next day. <laughs> Credits. Well, oh, well, I tried. Right. But there must be yeah. some drama. There's got to be some drama. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it. You got to look and see. They're not hot enough. Make them hotter. <laughs> These are too hot. Have I gone too far? Uh, yeah, the Pop-Tarts thing is actually Jerry Seinfeld uh, stars in it, directed it, and co-produced it. It's called Unfrosted. Oh. Now, I don't know that it's actually going to tell the real story. It's not, it's... It's supposed to be about the invention of the Pop-Tart, but it's, a, it's actually a riff, uh, or the script is based on a riff that he does in his stand-up routine. Ah. Um, that isn't actually a joke, per se, but more like him talking about how happy Pop-Tarts made him as a kid. Okay. It's observational so humor, humor, Jerry. Who are these Pop-Tarts? <laughs> uh, in 2011, uh, Seinfeld told Deadline, quote, stuck at home watching endless sad faces on TV. I thought this would be a good time to make something based on pure silliness, end quote. So Kat, I don't know that you're going to get something actually, mm. you know, uh, biographical. I, but I wanted a docudrama. Well, yeah. <laughs> and it's named after the worst kind of Pop-Tarts. Come on. I know. See, that must, that's got to be a something about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's got to be. Anyway, that one's actually got an all-star cast of, of various uh, comedians. Uh, that could be cute. So Jerry Seinfeld definitely made some phone calls. Uh, that and it'll be available in May. Uh, we don't know when we'll okay. see the Cola Wars. Okay. I mean, the <laughs> film about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. we saw the John. Cola you Wars. said you know how you said, and you just said, John, it's like uh, Apollo thirteen. We know how the story ends. Mm-hmm. Right. How would you say it ends? I would say it ends with detente. Both companies growing, but Coke is still Coke. Miss So says, I just remember the 1992 Cindy Crawford Pepsi commercial, Hubba Hubba. All right. Yes, I agree, Miss So. Well, and the Michael J. Fox Diet Pepsi was during that campaign. Oh, is that right? Do you okay, recall that you one where he's in a new apartment and a girl comes in and says, do you have any Diet Pepsi? All right. And he runs down to the and corner he, store, you know, d- jumping right. fire hydrants and dodging cars and brings back a Diet Pepsi. And then her roommate comes in and goes, do you have another one? Oh, sure. And he goes back out the door. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Miss So asked Kat, do you prefer icing or no icing on your Pop-Tart? Icing. Brown sugar cinnamon <laughs> with icing. If you're going to eat a Pop-Tart, just eat a Pop-Tart. I mean, they're not health food. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I trying to mean. stay healthy? That's like going to a hooker for a hug. If you're going to have a Pop-Tart, yeah. <laughs> just have the full Pop-Tart. Well, this, <laughs> I think this leads to a question, John. How much is it for a hug? Just a hug. Is it the same oh, price? Or is there, is. A, is there a... To, you seem to know. I'll have to check my rate sheet. I don't know. I must say I was yeah. flabbergasted as a child when I mm-hmm. learned one day that there were uniced Pop-Tarts. It's ridiculous. I was like, what? If there's no frosting on whatever comes out of the toaster, there better be a little packet so I could squeeze my own frosting on it after the fact. Oh, I love those too. Toaster strudel style. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, now, wait yes, a second. Pop-Tarts yes. also, toast, do you toast them or not toasted? Don't care. Yeah, I mean, I'm fi- yes, either way is fine. But I, I can just grab a bag, rip it I agree. And just I think and, I've eaten yep. more untoasted than toasted yes. in my It's life. like cold pizza, hot pizza. It's two definitely. different kinds of food. Hot pizza is one kind of okay. food and cold pizza is another. Yeah. You enjoy it totally differently. 
Yeah, I think either way. <laughs> some days I want to toast it. Some days I just raw dog that Pop-Tart. I got another question for John. Uh, how much is it to a raw dog uh, Pop-Tart? Is, that a, is it the same price or is there like a menu? Same price as toasted. Okay. But cheaper than a hug maybe or more than a hug? Ooh, more than a hug. Uh, another 1980s news. Oh, wait, wait. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready for yeah. the story yet. Hold on. Okay. Okay. All right. Hang on, let's, uh, let's see what he's oh. doing here. Now we can talk about this ridiculous did you, story. Did you drink a beer? What was that? Like <laughs> yes. I'm ready. Wow. Okay. Go ahead. John's got to get liquored up to hear this one. Okay. This is crazy. Hey, in other 1980s news, as reported by the Guardian and Futurism, that's where I got the different bits of information here. Willy Wonka event leaves children in tears. Oh, I'm not laughing at the children's tears. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just what brought them on. Right. It was billed as a, this could be a true crime. It was billed as a quote celebration of chocolate in all its delightful forms, yes. but ended up a tragic tale worthy of an Oompa Loompa song. Last weekend, last weekend, this is like a Fire Island. This thing, if you guys remember that crazy Fire Island story, this is like Fire Island, but for kids. So last weekend, organizers of what was described as, quote, a Willy Wonka experience, end quote, in Scotland, duped unsuspecting parents into bringing their kids to a truly dismal event. (laughs) The the $44 ticket experience turned out to fall well short of the advertised, quote, immersive experience, end quote, that was to have been based on the recent Warner Brothers film which is a prequel to the film that we loved as kids. So Um, actually a pretty good movie. Did you guys see that? I liked that movie. I thought that was a good movie. I would like to. The Wonka film? Loved it. Loved it. Phenomenal. All right. I expected not to like it. I expected Mm -hmm. it'd be disrespectful to Gene Wilder and the folks Mm. that made that, but- All the same. I went in with so much trepidation. I'm like, this is absolutely adorable. I love that movie. So many homages to the original Mm -hmm. film and connective tissue that didn't feel like too much fan service, but just- Exactly. Oh my God. You you nailed it. And then you have this nonsense. (laughs) Uh, The event publicly promised. (laughs) Well, are you going to put a link to the pictures in the show notes of this? I know. I I should have thought. You have to. I definitely will. Just share them in the the While you're listening, you're going to have to see these pictures. The The event publicly promised giant giant mushrooms, candy canes, and chocolate fountains, along with special audio and visual effects all narrated by dancing Oompa. Instead, no. guests were met with cheap-looking props sparsely populating a dirty, a dirty warehouse in downtown Glasgow. And as more details come to light, the more the event's failure sounds inextricably linked to, you'll never guess it, AI. In fact, so we're just lamenting AI with the the, uh, Roadhouse thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Insiders are now saying that even the scripts for the character actors were AI generated. So it seems like AI generated the scripts for the actors that were to portray the Oompa Loompas and the bad guy and Willy Wonka. In fact, the AI made up the bad guy. (laughs) The AI was responsible for the marketing material. (laughs) It looks like somebody got some banners printed and then went on a shopping spree at Hobby Lobby. And dumped all that shit in the warehouse. Yeah. 
Oh, here's a six foot candy cane. Put that in the corner. I gotta say, I I'm not sure that I would have found this event appealing even before the disaster that it became. I'm not sure that I would have spent forty four dollars for an immersive Willy Wonka experience. Um, now, maybe if my kid were obsessed with it, like, oh, okay, they're not going to be quiet until we do this. But I, you, just for that kind of investment, yeah. <laughs> right yeah. from the get-go, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I found one picture. I found one okay. picture found- that, that I can sh- There are more, oh, yeah. but this is pretty indicative. Of the whole thing. Oh, no. So there you go. Welcome to uh, Willy Wonka's. <laughs> wow. So there's like like some kind of a gummy bear in the corner. and like, a gummy bear? Like a gumdrop and a red pipe and some sheets. <laughs> Just, and, and the caution tape on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and look at the warehouse. Glasses. Windows are broken out. It looks like post-apocalyptic warehouse. It's... Ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, here's another. Uh, oh, it's amazing. Picture of it too. <laughs> the banner. It's just a poster. Suspend your disbelief. Is, uh, Are you yeah, supposed to bad. get your picture taken in front of that? I guess that's the photo. I'm sure. Oh, flip to the next one. So. Yeah. Oh, oh, there's, pull up. there. there's all the crap from Hobby Lobby. It's yeah. like, well, we got this oh, shrub. Let's paint fine. that red. There's a candy cane. There's a, there's some mushrooms. Yeah, and one of the images has uh, gone viral for uh, what people are called. <laughs> what people are calling what? Meth lab oompa loompa. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> and she, she looks so happy to be there. <laughs> She's surrounded by oh. smoke and buns and burners and test tubes. That's amazing. Oh my goodness, that's just terrible. Oompa loompa doopa dee doo. I've cooked up some glass like shit for you. Uh, anyway, so uh, local actor and comedian Paul Connell, local to Scotland, of course, Glasgow, he was uh, explained on TikTok how he was hired to be one of three, mm-hmm. not just one. So he had three Willy Wonkas walking around. Oh, uh, Willy Wonka's tasked to entertain children at the event. Yeah, that's uh, and Con- Connell said, quote, instead of getting Timothy Chalamet, uh, referring to the actor who starred in the recent Wonka film we talked about, they got Timothy Charlatan. <laughs> I didn't see any pictures of the Wonkas. I wish I could have seen that. I didn't see that. Okay, anywhere. yeah. The, he, I saw one picture of him. Did that's you? The thing he, he, says in his, he says in his video, look at me. There's an, I don't look like Wonka. Like, I, that should, he says that should have been my first clue. Something was up. Um, he said, and then referring to how the script was clearly AI generated, he said, quote, one of my favorite lines was, and this is something he's supposed to say. And in fact, he said that he got this job. Uh He asked them for the script. They give it to him on Friday and the show is on Monday or Sunday. Oh, the script is 15 pages long. And he says, it's pretty much a monologue. (laughs) (laughs) And go. Anyway, he says of that script, one of my favorite lines was, quote, He's now quoting the script. There is a man who lives here. His name is not known, so we call him the unknown. The unknown is an evil chocolate maker who lives in the walls. (laughs) The AI-generated script also predicted how the audience was would react. Saying, quote, members engage with interactive flowers, offering compliments to which the flowers respond with pre-recorded whimsical thank yous. 
That's not happening. <laughs> None of that happened. They did not have the budget for any of that. What the computer did not foresee was that police would be called to the venue after furious families complained about the event that left children in tears and abruptly canceled. The, the best mismatch is, I think, in the advertising, it yeah. says something about it's going to be a confectionery delight for children. They could gorge themselves and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the event, they're literally handed two gumdrops and a half a cup of lemonade. I saw that table with the lemonade. Like, oh, that's God. it. That's what yeah. I get. Yeah. That's what their $44 got them. Yeah. It's terrible. Oh, oh. That's not even worth mm. $5. In a statement, the organizers, which are the House of Illuminati, that should have been another flag, I guess. Mm. Oh. They apologized to customers writing, quote, unfortunately, last minute, we were let down in many areas of our event and tried our best to continue on and push through and now realize we probably should have canceled first thing this morning instead, end quote. Uh, they did confirm that full refunds would be given to customers, which could take up to 10 days. But as of this reporting, the actors still have not been paid. So I wouldn't count on it. I cannot imagine what is the thing that fell through that would have saved this. <laughs> everything. Right. Literally yeah, right. everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Oh, we had a guy writing a script. We had somebody bringing in props. We had yeah. somebody doing decorations. We had somebody that was going to be an actor. And none of those things panned out. Here's what you get. Yep. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have anything lined no, up. No, I, I mean, know. What, what were they? It's ridiculous. They were going to take the money and, I don't know, abscond with the money or something. Like that. Oh. It turns out, uh, as reported by Rolling Stone, the House of Illuminati is uh, being run by Billy Cole, I'm going to say, C O U L L who has self-published 17 books on Amazon that were also most likely generated by AI. Oh. Yeah. Uh, since this incident, uh, Cole has scrubbed his many of his social media accounts, including a YouTube and LinkedIn profile where he presents himself as a, quote, business savvy life coach, end quote. Hmm. <laughs> now, this just proves, this proves what I suspect all along. Life coaches, that's a bunch of bullshit, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, not that there aren't good ones, but there's a lot it of people who just be. claim it. That's an easy thing. It's like any kind of consultancy. It's like it's only worthwhile if you actually have the knowledge and experience to apply to the problem. Just saying, well, ask me, I'll give you my opinion. That's not consultancy. That's not the same thing. (laughs) No. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I say that partly because I belong to these podcast groups, you know, we're just to see what other people are up to. Mm-hmm. Most of them, overwhelmingly, John, I don't know if you're in any of these groups, overwhelmingly 90%, I would say at least, are self, you know, people that are like, uh, not self-help, because that's, I guess, self-help, let's say, self-care, mm-hmm. uh, mental mm-hmm. health experts, life coaches, therapy. And I think, and none of them are like, most of them, you don't see they're certified or have any degrees or there's no, there's no letters mm-hmm. after their names. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Anyway, making light of his terrible experience, Hector Connell joked that it was, quote, a world of imagination <laughs> and that you had to imagine it was not a dirty warehouse. <laughs> Love it. All right. Hey, that Uh, was a 19. Oh, you know what? Let's check in with some folks. Let's see if anybody said anything. Yeah. Uh, Nick says, wow, John, don't think I can give my kids a Pop-Tart without that image getting in the way. (laughs) (laughs) You hand a a Pop-Tart. Look, you give two Pop-Tarts to a bunch of kids. Now, don't you go raw dogging these. (laughs) Well, you know, you want them frosted. 
That's all I'm saying. Yeah. They want to wonder. I knew that was going to make it in there somehow. Miss So says, John doesn't need a Pop-Tart. He needs therapy. <laughs> oh, Karen says, yay. I always enjoy Will's true crime voice. Thank you, Karen. You're the one. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, there you go. That was 1980s news. Hey, our independent podcast is brought to you every week by folks just like you. So if you'd like to help us out, please follow us on the podcast platform you're listening to right now. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Share an episode on Facebook. All of these actions just take a moment and are 100% free. But if you'd like to chuck in a buck and help us keep publishing the show week after week, please visit us at 1980snow.com slash support to find out how you can send us a dollar or two. And thank you so much. It means a lot. Hey, as promised, Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about now about how the connections between music and memory. Oh, I mean, yeah. just anecdotal. I've always suspected there's something going on with there. I've had, you know, look, we're not talking about this, but I've had a lot of almost supernatural experiences with regard to music. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've mentioned this before. One in particular mm-hmm. uh, happens to be that, well, one supernatural one isn't. The supernatural mm-hmm. one is where I'm thinking of a song and someone else starts singing it or vice Ooh, versa. Ooh, that's cool. You know? <laughs> something in the air. And it's not that the, yeah. Yeah, and it's not that it was just playing, because this this has happened, because now my kids are hip to it, because I'll point out, wait a second, this is one of those mm. things, mm-hmm. that, you know, one of them will come in the room singing something, or vice versa, and then we'll say, check in with each other. Were you just listening to that song in the house? Were you playing it out loud? Did you mm-hmm. hear it? Mm-hmm. No. Wow. So it happened. So there's, wow. I don't know. Anyway. That's cool. That's as mystical as I get, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other <laughs> thing is that I noticed, and we're going to talk about this with regard to music and memory, is- Again, this is just anecdotal. I don't know if you have, guys have this experience. I could mm. be listening to a song in the car. All mm-hmm. right. So uh, I don't know whatever song that is. Like if, uh, I can't think of a single song right now. Of course not. Which is disproving <laughs> the whole thing about music in memory. Uh, uh, Listen to Holiday by Madonna. Holiday. There you go. If you took a holiday, then I stop. I get out of the car, mm-hmm. go in the grocery mm-hmm. store. Mm-hmm. When I get back in the car, before I start it up, already my head's like, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, just a, and it just, like my brain kept the point. I do that. Yeah. 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 I'm not trying to recall it. It's just I there. find that I'm still like, I'm, I'm halfway singing it throughout the store, whatever yeah. it is. Mm. I'm kind of like, it's mm-hmm. the eye of the tiger. Yes. The thrill. Ooh, a sail on toothpaste. Great. Thrill of the fight. It's like, it's stuck in your head. Yeah. And probably, and even when you stop singing it, it's, it's some part of your brain is still probably holding on to it. But I've had that same thing happen more than once, plenty of times. Yeah. There is always music in my head. Always, 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 whether I'm conscious of it or not. Yeah. Whatever the last song I was listening to is just on the loop until right. I hear another one. So this is what I'd like to do. I'm going to tell you some smart things that Marcus and I learned. Uh, Marcus did a bunch of research and shared some stuff with me. Yeah. Oh. Wrote some stuff for me as well. So special thanks to Marcus Taylor who's also uh, mm-hmm. helping out in the back, uh, behind the scenes now in the comments. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll tell you some smart things. And while we're going along though, I want to, where it makes sense, drop in a song and just see if it triggers anybody's memories for you guys. If sure. I have a story, I'll share a story. Anybody mm-hmm. in the comments, if it happens to be a song, you have a memory, let us know in the comments and we'll share it as well. Cool. Um, before we get started though, cause we're talking about how mem- uh, music triggers memories from our youths, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. That's you know, not to bury the lead. Mm-hmm. Try to think of now, if you can't, a popular song from the last, I don't know, say 10 years or so mm-hmm. that you have a strong connection to uh, that mm. evokes a certain memory. Okay. Do you have one? You have one. Okay. You mm-hmm. have one. Mm-hmm. Kat, you have one? That evokes a memory? Yeah. And the same way that mm. we're going to be talking about today. Mm. Take transport you to a place. 
Just okay. some kind of a magic trick. He's going to produce the song magically. <laughs> Is this your card? No. Oh my God, how'd yeah, you do no. that? <laughs> no, look, you defeated my whole point. My point is this. Can you think of a second one? <laughs> first one's kind of weak. Honestly, the first one's kind of yeah, weak so, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, ultimately, look, I could think of one too if I struggle, but the, the ones I have at easy, readily, you know, sort of access as far as my brain goes, years mm-hmm. ago. Anyway, and it turns out that there's a reason for that. Uh, mm-hmm. It's because it, it, compared to music that we encounter later in life, songs from our an- adolescence are mm-hmm. ones that uh, trigger a disproportionate amount of nostalgia. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and this is based on everything that uh, Marcus and I have looked at. It mm-hmm. seems to be for two reasons. And again, look, neither of us are scientists. We're boiling it down to whatever, <laughs> you know, this simple. First, mm-hmm. so here's the two reasons. First, there's a powerful connection between music and memory. Like we talked about, there's a lot of examples of this, but uh, studies have shown that music is beneficial in the acquisition and retention of information. Mm. Uh, music, for example, could be used as a mnemonic device. I know my mm-hmm. youngest makes up songs to remember her vocab- vocabulary words. Mm. She'll mm-hmm. make up a song that includes 20 words. Uh-huh. And then during the test, she'll be singing the song and she'll remember what the words are. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, because That's excellent. Because of that, how we store information in that nice. way. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it turns out that musical memory is sometimes spared from the cognitive deficits that are associated mm-hmm. with dementia and Alzheimer's. Oh, totally true. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And mm-hmm. I think that that explains why I can remember the lyrics and why you can remember the lyrics from songs from 40 years ago, even if you haven't heard it in the last <laughs> sure. two years or whatever. Uh-huh. There'll be a rap song that will come on from 1985. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I love this song. And I'm just singing all the words. Uh-huh. Uh, but the, the second reason uh, and more relevant to our discussion is that few things spur an emotional response uh, like music. Yeah. Uh, and actually they've done studies on brains, you know, looking at the imaging of brains that show that our favorite songs flood us with some of the same neurotransmitters that uh, cocaine chases after. Huh. Mm. So there you go. That's what I'm, okay, addicted. I'm addicted to music. And while <laughs> that, that phenomenon is, is, is uh, common to everybody, it's between the ages of 12 and 22 that our brains undergo rapid neurological development. Yes. Mm-hmm. So the music that we love during that decade seems to get wired mm-hmm. in a way that things afterwards yeah. don't. You know, I've always thought of those, those formative years, you know, your uh, early teens, you know, they're 12, 13, 14, right in there up to maybe 16, 17. Yeah. I think it almost like... Uh, like sedimentary rock. Like you can look back yeah. and see like, as that rock was forming, you can go back and find out what the environment was like. It's like, as those mm. parts of your psyche mm. are being constructed, right. music is getting stuck in between the layers, you know, because, and then later when you stop building those layers, I'm an adult now, I'm, I'm, I'm done learning, right? I'm done developing <laughs> music. Just, I'm done. it just bounces off yeah. of you. It doesn't get ingrained into the layers of your identity, your personality, your, mm-hmm. your sense of mm-hmm. self. I mean, I think beyond emotion, I think that music, a a lot of 80s babies I know, or 80s, people grew up in the 80s, like that music is almost a religious experience to them. It's part of them. It's what they identify with, you know? There's something you're making me think of the word visceral. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, music nowadays, there can be songs that I like that make me want to dance that I can sing along to. But it's yeah. just not as deep. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. not, uh, ooh, it doesn't get to my core. There's, it's a good beat. Way. And then there's like, oh, it's this one. <laughs> it's yes, one. yes. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Look, hey, look, I mentioned, I'm going to, let's, uh, yeah, John is anticipating some of the things. As always, John's smarter than the rest of us. So he, he, <laughs> oh, knows, yeah. he knows where this is going. <laughs> as evidenced uh, by his Pop-Tart comment. 
I want to play a song. Uh, let's see. Do I have these written down? Perfect. It's very I don't have eyebrow. them all written down, but I got most of them written down. This is a song from 1980. See if this triggers any memories for you. Folks in the chat, uh, Kat and John, here we go. Hey. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, oh, you got yes. one? You got oh, one already? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Should I tell oh, yeah. you now? Yeah, please. Are you this? transported to another place in time? Uh, yeah, I'm transported to a bar. Okay. <laughs> when I was wait, when yeah, was this song came out in 1980. Uh, uh-huh. yeah, 1980. So right. I was probably nine, ten, whenever it came out. Okay. And this was the song that uh, my sister and I kept playing over and over and over again on a jukebox. Yeah. When mm. we, my dad had to go, he was going to do an odd job. He brought us along with him into a bar. And we made that song play over and over until the bartender came over and was like, what's wrong with this machine? Because <laughs> he, <unplugged> <laughs> he got yeah. tired of us playing it over and over. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the junior high band hall and there's some oh. yuppie kid with his boom box and he has this tape and he's playing it. You know, he's got the, the two, two or three IZOD shirts that are layered with the alligator <laughs> on the thing, right? Yeah. He's got oh, the white yes. khakis and he's enjoying this song. I didn't like it. Not because I didn't like mm. the song, because I don't like him. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, if he likes oh, that, wow. I don't like that song. So I see him and I go, yeah. oh, it's those people. <laughs> those him yuppies, preppies. Yeah. Or Billy Joel. <laughs> oh, yes. Some collateral damage there. Yeah. 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 What about you, Will? <laughs> uh, I'll spare you my, if it's a Billy, it's, a, it's only Billy Joel song we have. I'll spare you. I guess I could go on for that. You, know, you could go on and on. Yeah. All right. Uh, see, yeah. John Pick in the, the chat says, he was. my first album. Yes. Oh boy. It's a good first album, John. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Karen says, late 70s, early 80s soft rock always makes me think of falling asleep in my parents' car on the way home from my grandparents' house. Oh, yeah, mm. that's nice. Oh, falling asleep in the car memories are the best. Oh, yeah. Love those Waking memories. up in bed, love it. <laughs> so when we make, you know, we're talking about these, uh, how the music fires up our brain. And when we make neural connections to a song, we also create a strong memory trace that becomes laden with heightened emotion. Uh, and that's thanks partly to, this is where I'm going to need to, let's see, help from this cat. To okay. a, maybe I'll just cut out the words I can't say. To <laughs> a surfate, surfate, surfate of okay. pubertal growth hormones. Sur- surfeit. Surfeit sur- of pubertal the- growth. Okay, look, 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 this is how I make it. I dumb it up for me. Thanks partly to <laughs> growth hormones. <laughs> yeah. Tell our brains that everything is incredibly important. So during these form, these, yeah, during these, uh, you know, yes. formative years, we're just getting everything. This, I got to do this. This is a good thing. I got to remember uh-huh. this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. music that, you know, when we experience music and have already these emotional, uh, give it this emotional content, we store that too. And whatever the experience is as well. Well, did you say pubertal? Is that puberty as an adjective? Is that what that is? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Is puberty. that how it's spelled? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. Yes, like, pu- exactly. What that word yeah. is. That's new to me. Okay. Uh, and, and, if you, and if you add to that, the fact that how important music is uh, during our teenage years, how it's so interwoven with our social lives. Yes. Uh, that oftentimes yeah. we'll share music with friends or we'll listen to music that friends are listening to just so we could be included mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, group. Mm-hmm. That's how many folks like Duran Duran. That's inexplicably uh, because a friend made them do it. Um, it's because they like Cat and they want to be included in Cat's yeah, friend group. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. <laughs> but like John was teasing, you know, and part of that social network is the things that will become ultimately part of our self identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we're like these little solid state drives. You know, where all this stuff is getting stored and indexed uh, mm-hmm. in a way that we can then later uh, find it. Yes. 
I had this experience actually just the other day. Um, you, you know, the band Squeeze, uh, their song, um, what was it? Black Howard Coffee and uh, Black Coffee in Bed. Oh. And there was Tempted. And like, yeah. there were a couple of songs that came up and that brought me back to high school. Hmm. And I thought, huh. It, it was such a discreet period of time that I listened to that particular album. It was like a, what was it? Uh, it looks like a greatest hits album over and over and over and over. And it was because of this one friend that mm. I had made and she was into them. And then I, I believe that I, I gave them a really good listen because I wanted to feel closer to her that way. I wanted to be into what, what she was into mm-hmm. and appreciate what she was appreciating. So yeah, what you said about, yeah, yeah, a social connection there, that, that was, I I didn't find them on my own. It was just because of this one. I did that same thing, but with girls. (laughs) 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 On my own, may have never been a fan of the Miami Sound Machine. However, (laughs) I became one. (laughs) Now I'm trying to, I'm trying to put this in the the dating context. (laughs) On his own, he wasn't, he didn't like girls. <laughs> I, I got it. I, I lost the thread. I don't know. I don't know. I try to. You're trying to accuse me of it. Doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm trying to accuse it. You're a fan of that band? Well, me too now. We have something in common. Yeah. Well, that's what I say. Suddenly. You like girls? I do too. Oh, I see. Is that the bonding thing? I don't know. Whatever, John. Whatever John said is probably smart. I know I'm just too dumb. Hey, uh, you know, John, you were alluding to the fact that, you know, talking about the 80s and folks having a strong connection, 80s kids, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But it turns out, and Keith uh, in the the chat alludes to this, he says that anything that we would classify as oldies always brings back memories of car trips with my dad. Ah, And I'm guessing that's because that's what his dad would have on. We've all experienced this point where we we talked Mm -hmm. about this. We're not old enough to control the radio. And so we listen to our parents' music. That's how we were raised. Now, our kids, Mm -hmm. I don't know, I have a lot, lot more freedom. Yeah. But I do expose yeah. my kids to a lot of the music I came from when I was mm-hmm. younger. And as a result, the music, that includes music my parents had when they were younger. So now we're talking about, you know, three generations of music. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it turns out, according to these studies, it doesn't matter if the music is of your generation. Right. So the fact that it's more the fact that you heard it, mm-hmm. you were first yeah. exposed to it, it was popular even in your household during this formative time. That's right. Anyway, yeah. all right. Hey, let's play another song here. Let's yeah. check out okay. that. We're ready. Uh, Karen says, Lady in Red uh, takes me back to my Kmart cashier days. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like the Muzak version or the, I guess you could play the regular no, one. Yeah, the they, yeah, they probably played the, yeah. Huh. Uh, they uh, usually played that right about the time the lights dimmed to signi- signify it was almost closing time. They chased people out. <laughs> with that song. <laughs> with uh, Lady in Red. No. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah, that reminds me when I worked in the mall at Arrow Postal in the late eighties, uh, we, they had, this is how long ago that was, right? They had what looked like an eight track tape, Yeah. but it was a tape that was built to be endless, right? It was, the, mm-hmm. the tape was looped in such a way that it would start yeah. playing again when it got to the end. Yeah. Well, okay. eight track, all eight tracks are endless. They're all endless. That's oh, they, they are? Work. Yeah. Are they? Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Oh. Yep. They all. Yep. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes mm-hmm. sense. And all the tracks are playing all the time. You just press what tape. What, you got it. But, uh, so it was an eight track tape player essentially. And except for Christmas time, when we would play Christmas music, we would play oldies and songs that I, mm. I didn't otherwise know so well, but for working at Aeropostale. And now because of that, I fly, I hear Donovan or the count five, I'm back <laughs> in the mall in, ni- in the 1980s. Yep. Oh. And that music you can smell the Cinnabon. It was a big beef and cheddar at Arby's, but yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, let's play another song here. Anybody, anybody in, in, in the uh, 
chat or otherwise have a memory associated with this song. Ah, oh, shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't take you back, that's okay, too. Oh, shit. I, I love this song. Yeah. I'm trying to remember... I don't think I have like a no. a visceral association with it. <laughs> okay. Except That's okay. <laughs> it probably played at the prom. Mm. And I'm sure right. I enjoyed well, dancing right. so to it's not, it. Yeah. Right. So it didn't transport you to another time. <laughs> not exactly. No. <laughs> now I selected this song uh, because uh, it was a hit song uh, during our uh-huh. youths in one of the, one yeah. of the years throughout the 1980s. But I, and I wasn't even considering this, but I just had a memory. And I, maybe I've shared this before, but I was just Ooh. at a traffic light uh-huh. in Bayonne, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. about to make a right turn onto the strip there in New Jersey, you know, where you cruise. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. With my buddy. And uh-huh. this was playing and it was, it was probably still pretty new, this song. So okay. it stands out to me. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm in that car. Mm. I mean, I could just, it was the golf too, Kat. I'm pretty sure it was the golf. <laughs> the golf. It, no, the golf wasn't mine. It was my friend's father's car. Mm. Wait, and what else golf. did you have to do? Did you have a boom box? Yes, we had a boom box that I <laughs> jury rigged into the Open yep. maw of the car right. yeah, yep. dashboard. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway, we didn't I meet mean, anybody that cruising that. No, that not that time. Yeah. Oh, okay, I, I'm probably on a band bus. I mean, that, that took me straight yeah. to on a band bus. Like we're going to an away game, and yeah. there was a gaggle of girls mm-hmm. for whom Salt and Pepper was absolutely like this female empowerment hip hop group, and they were all wow. g- ganged around the same two or three seats with a boombox playing every every popular song from them at that time. <laughs> And this one is one of them that was on repeat. <laughs> you know, and you mentioned, you mentioned girls. Now I'll share. So, look, we had so many responses on social media to this question that mm-hmm. can't share them mm. all, but many of them were had to do with romance. And I have a lot for sure. me too, associated with past girlfriends or romances. Um, th- th- for this one, I don't, but I, but another hit song from the, from the 1980s that maybe somebody else uh, chatting with us does. Let's say. All right. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, here goes John. No, 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 I'm done. (laughs) I don't even know the words. I I mean, I know, of course, I know this song. I, I, it wasn't special, um, but. Uh, mm-hmm. It's inextric- It's inextricable from my adolescent experience. Yeah, I I heard it. it sounds like times, a dance it, to me. One of many yeah. gymnasium okay. dances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. have that loose kind of thing too. Well, and I think it's because songs like this. Uh, yep. This was the slow dance, and so yep. this was like there were more stakes yes. on this song than on push it <laughs> at the dance. You know what I mean? You yeah. can run around and act a fool, but when a slow dance came up, you're like. All right, now I now I have to <laughs> dial up my game because now we're doing something. Yeah. You, know, you know, something's going on. I'm not just <laughs> running around with my buddies. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, John. I don't have a specific memory, <laughs> but seriously, yeah. I can see the overwaxed floors of our of our auditorium in elementary <laughs> oh, school. I could yeah. almost smell it. Yeah, because oh. like right before school dance, they would you know wax it down mm-hmm. and make it all nice and deadly slippery. All <laughs> uh, right, and you, so you arrive, it still had that kind of you know new floor yeah. smell. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, at our uh, elementary school. That, there. Uh, that yeah. glow so you can coat. do your gymnastic <laughs> routines. Uh, yeah. uh, Karen says of push it uh, takes her back to a roller rink. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. That's mm-hmm. a whole other thing, right? There's roller rink songs. Yeah. Now for uh, me, they're more late seventies disco. Oh, I, I love rock and roll. Joan Jet Hart. That is the roller rink song in my brain. Yeah. 
Like that's one that I hear that I'm like, I'm on skates like, instantly. <laughs> so yeah, we were talking about self-identity and this ability again, that we have the strongest memories during this period of time. According to researchers, there's another thing at play and it's called the reminiscence bump. Oh, sounds like a dance. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it anything like the Humpty Hump? <laughs> yeah, Kat, can you take us through what that would be? First you, uh, and then you, uh, <laughs> First you think of a memory and then you think of a memory. Then you (laughs) stick out your ass. Shake it around like you're just okay. uh. (laughs) Um, But the the reminiscence bump is the phenomenon that older people, (laughs) and by older, the research means 40 and up. Uh, So all of us here, certainly. Mm. So the reminiscence, wow, this is, you're going to contradict you in a second here, Uh, uh, old John. Because the reminiscence bump refers to the fact that older people remember much of their younger adult lives more vividly than their later years. That checks out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's easier for them to access. It just, mm-hmm. it just. And part of that yeah. is because, uh, according, at least according to the theory, that we have all developed a culturally conditioned life script that mm. serves in our memory as the narrative of our, of our lives. So when we look back on our pasts, the memories that dominate this narrative Mm -hmm. have two things in common. They're happy and they cluster around our teens and early twenties. Well, but Mm -hmm. I mean, even anecdotally, it happens to me all the time. I mean, I, I'll get distracted going, who was that guy who played the detective and math net on three, two, one contact. I can't remember. Oh yes. Why did I walk in this room? Where, I came here for a reason, right? Like I've already forgotten the reason I started walking during that time through which I was reminiscing and then I go, mm-hmm. ah, crap. I don't know. I'll just sit down and do something else. Yeah. Now, who was that guy? Wasn't that See? the guy who also- I got Will going. He is that Was guy. that the guy who was also later on- um, he was a character actor and a lot of other things. Yeah. Yeah. He was on another show. Sorry. He was like, Didn't mean to derail you, but you see how it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can picture him though. You're right. Of course. <laughs> Math net. Anyway. Uh, so that, 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 again, that period between 12 and 22, mm-hmm. in other words, is, is that time when we become ourselves. So it makes yes. sense yeah. that the, the memories that contributed to this process become uncommonly important throughout our lives and could be, you know, because of the way music functions, as we mentioned, could be associated with sound mm-hmm. uh, in these tracks. All right, hey, let me drop another track and then we'll wrap this okay. up here. Or I got a few left. If we have, if, if, if we get done here, I'll just burn yeah. through some others. All right, yeah. here is another track. This one is from, this one's a little earlier. This one is oh, from good. 1979. Okay. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Hey, that's, I, what is this? That's not what even fair, Will. <laughs> Oh, you got I a memory? Got, you seem like you got a memory. I got chills. What? Oh, oh, I'll get you back for your ASMR. <laughs> wow. I don't know what this is. <sighs> what is this? This is Lucifer from the Alan yeah. Parsons Project. That's right. <gasps> oh. It's so easy. I am in the mm-hmm. back seat of my best friend okay. Michael Gray's pitch black Camaro Berlinetta. Wow. That's specific. <laughs> Love it. In the, in the back seat, he's playing this best of album and- it, like it's very stereophonic. It's, it goes back and forth. Yeah. And this was the, yeah, we'd go riding all the, all oh. the time. And this was like my discovery of my favorite band ever was riding in the car, mm-hmm. listening oh, to no that kidding. song. And I'm in the car. Oh, oh yeah. I got chills as soon as I heard it. Like, holy shit. That was, that's not even so fair. Wow. I was cheating. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So you, you didn't know Alan Parsons. You hear it in the car. 
Yeah. And then it's like, who is this? And that's it. Then you, that's it. I got to consume all Alan Parsons. So, so, so my great buddy sitting in the front seat said, who is this? And he told me, and I'm like, I, I want to hear more. I want to hear. And he ejected the yeah. tape and threw it at me and go, here you go. Take it. Uh, no way. Oh yeah. And you still have the tape. No, no, that's long gone. The, oh, thus okay. begins my Aww. infatuation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That very song though. Wow. Yeah. That oh, song. Like, yeah, I do, I do like how you hear like the toms. It's like exactly that. It's going across from yeah. left to right. Oh, yeah. yeah, and I sit, sit there here and then I'm like this is, this is like amazingly stereophonic in a way that I don't. Yeah. You know, it's normally just hi hat in the left and snare in the right, and this was like yeah. moving around. Well, it's because it was, <laughs> you know, Alan Parsons was a producer first, and he knows how to put sonic things together. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh. Now, Kat, the, the clip I played you of that song, Lucifer. You've yeah. now heard the whole song. <laughs> Because it just repeats. It just goes over and over again. Except for the, like the five minute intro. There's some key changes. <laughs> oh, there are? I didn't notice that. That reminds me, I told you guys this before, I think. I had the same experience with Cracklin' Rose, Neil Diamond. My dad actually really? sat me down when I was like six wow. in front of the- Because oh. look, having a stereo, that was like, that's a fairly new thing for our parents. Uh-huh. Okay. The model yeah. wasn't yeah. that far off. <laughs> but he sat me down. Look at this. So you're never going to believe this. And the, during the drum break, that's like three quarters away through oh. the song. The uh-huh. drum fill goes from one side to the other. Do, 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 very clearly. It's isolated. I'm still, very I'm still tingling. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think you've got help with that one to set me up. Yeah, Marcus gave me oh, yeah. cat, cats and your oh, song. man. Oh, what? Yeah. Uh-oh. Because Marcus, and we're, we're going to have to everybody collectively push Marcus to finally publish his podcast, his music podcast. Yes. Which is very good. yes. <laughs> he, he can publish them posthumously after we're all gone based on his current velocity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. We'll publish it while we still can promote it. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I did learn about John and Kat's, uh, so that's a little tease for you from uh, some of the stuff we gleaned from uh, the wow. interviews. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. awesome. So, Thank you for that. Uh, that was amazing. Yeah. What else did I want to say? So, yeah. So, I guess in conclusion, and then I'll play a few more songs and folks can uh, let us know and we could share some comments here. Well, let's see what we see. Okay. Uh, yeah. Keith says, Infatuation by Rod Stewart reminds me of a girl I had a crush on in my junior year in high school. Yeah. Like I mentioned, the romance ones mm-hmm. are, are really strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Kathy says, Heaven by Brian Adams takes me back to St. Nick's dances. Oh. oh, yeah. Prom. Oh, yeah. Well, that, yeah. St. Nick's <laughs> is elementary school, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. At our elementary school, we had dances in seventh grade, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, like every- We had an eighth grade dance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I, <laughs> there's a picture of me dancing with a boy at the eighth grade dance and he mm-hmm. does not look happy. Are you like really far <laughs> apart like the- <laughs> Kind of, yeah. Scandalous. <laughs> Rocking back and forth. <laughs> so like I mentioned, music's often yep. connected with these events for the different reasons we discussed, you know? a lot of them being biological. Mm-hmm. Like we're, look, all these examples we're talking about. That song that was, you know, we heard, like Kat said, uh, at our first prom, mm-hmm. uh, first kiss, first time you, you break up or get dumped. I, I got a lot of those songs. Mm-hmm. Associated Dump with songs? romance, happy and sad. Yes, yeah. both. Okay, both. <laughs> and not necessarily a break. I was very, look, maybe this will surprise you, Kat. I was a very dramatic teen, very emotional. <gasps> Felt a lot of things like a Pisces does. Oh, yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Not surprised. But these songs get attached to, to these memories and, and it takes on a different life, you know, that continues to, to live on us. And, and it reminds me of, you know, we, we, another popular phenomenon in the 1980s was to have soundtrack films or, or soundtrack albums that were mm-hmm. popular. You know, I talked yes. about this with somebody a long time ago on one episode. Mm-hmm. Musicals were popular before us. You know, they had a, a heyday mm-hmm. that, that predates us. Sure. Yeah. 
But we, what it evolved ultimately into in the eighties was having movies that had songs that were featured like throughout it, sc- mm-hmm. underscoring you know, or scoring these scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. So I can't help but think of those movies like John Hughes and so forth. Mm-hmm. That seeing our own teenage years and my own teenage years in that way, mm-hmm. where these songs become you know these soundtrack for the various vital moments yeah. of our of our yeah. lives. Your, every Rocky soundtrack, Footloose, Top Gun, yeah. all of those that yeah. Mm-hmm. I had as many soundtrack yeah. cassettes in that in the the big clip thing with all the cassettes in it with the the, the vinyl yes. latch right. yep. on it, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yes. It, it was. It was either like the Beastie Boys, or it, it was Alan Parsons, or it was a soundtrack. It probably most likely. Yeah. 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 Be- because they, they they double dip for you. You get music, mm-hmm. and you get mm-hmm. the movie in your head. And now, yeah. looking back, you triple dip. You get the movie and the music, and you get the memory of where you were when you heard yeah. the music and saw mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah, yeah. Then they were like the soundtrack that we lived these moments because I yeah. got so many of them. And now mm-hmm. there's these little neurological wormholes that actually deliver us back to those moments. Mm-hmm. The moments that defined us. That's, yeah. I, I love it. It's romantic and magical in a way that, you know, you can't really otherwise experience magic in our lives. Absolutely. All right. That's all the stuff I wanted to say. Let me share some stuff from social media and I've got a few okay. more songs to play. We've got a little Beautiful. bit of time here, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see. I'll hit you with another song here. Uh, okay. Okay. Here, I'll play this song first and I'll show you why uh, the person on Facebook that had mentioned this song here. Let's okay. Oh. <laughs> it's a great song. I love this song. Oh, I love this song. Too. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah. I think this song transports I'm me back reach to down between Sammy's legs. Oh. <laughs> probe Never probe. Ow. The probe. Kat, I'm sorry. I had a bit going on. What were you going to say? I'm so sorry. I interrupted your bit. That's okay. <laughs> I, I, I was giving you the sign. Words. The sign for a bit is wiggling the microphone. I'm bouncing it up and down. I'm noted. Did I, did I, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? Nothing important. I just was going to say that this transports yeah. me back, I think, to watching MTV. And okay. like it's summertime, sitting at home and catching videos. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> that, that, um. And also that feeling of like having ownership over mm-hmm. my music and ownership mm-hmm. over what I was viewing. Yeah. You know, I was allowed to use the remote <laughs> when dad was at, dad was at work. And, yeah. Um, it's almost like the song feels like independence for you. Yeah. 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 yeah that's that emotion. This, this song, yeah. I, I'm transported to my cousin's bedroom visiting him. Mm-hmm. I think I told you guys this story before, but he was now into rock music and I was still clinging to playing with Star Wars toys. <laughs> well, I was around 12 or 13 at the yeah. time. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. Let me show you what I could do with my electric guitar. And I was like, oh no. Mm. <laughs> my heart's broken. <laughs> uh, but there you go. But, 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 but actually I share that song because Doug on Facebook, I told us, Douglas on Facebook said, I totaled my 67 Camaro in 1984 while Van Halen's Panama was playing oh, in my deck. Oh, I recall oh, it because oh. as I crawled from the wreckage, the music was still playing as I stood outside the remains. Oh, wow. Oh my gosh. He's fine oh. now. He's fine, Captain. Locked in. Look at laugh. Locked in. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a wow. scene out of a movie there, right? That's one yes. of those, like the stakes have been ratcheted up just like the slow dance, right? It's not just a memory of something. Yeah. It's an impactful something. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yes. Michael says it was like an 80s mixtape with a movie <laughs> bonus. I think he's talking about our, oh, our soundtracks. Oh, oh, we're talking about the yeah. soundtracks. Yeah. yeah, the soundtrack. For sure. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, Rick has a memory here. Panama, my f- Panama, my family drove from Georgia to Nova Scotia, Canada. The car did not have a cassette player, so we brought a crappy portable player with one horrible speaker, and I played that album <laughs> until it drove my parents crazy and they made me stop. <laughs> so many of our stories are having someone telling us to stop playing that music. <laughs> Stop playing. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. John says the year we got MTV watching hour after hour after hour, maybe similar experience to you, Kat. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's see. I got a couple more songs. Let's see if anything's worth playing here. Uh, okay. All right. How about this one here? Let's see who has a memory here for this one. Oh, oh my God. Wow. Oh my. Wow. Both of you. Wow. <laughs> Marcus did not help me with this one. <laughs> I just got lucky, Marcus. <laughs> when was it? I guess it was had to be 88, 89, 90. I don't know when this album came I th- out. But I think it came out 87, I think. Yeah, yeah. right okay. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, I, like, I am right outside the kitchen at the hotel next to the Disney entrance where I worked room service with a girlfriend oh. because she was big into Bon Jovi. And I was mm-hmm. too. I didn't have to fake this one. I really, I was already into Bon Jovi. And oh, it wasn't a fake. Okay. No. And it was, it's, uh, this is off of Slippery When Wet. Is that right? Is that what this is on? Probably, I think. It I think was. so. Anyway, good ones. yeah, yeah. And I'm just, I'm sitting in the car and we're talking some, but whatever, whatever, you know, young people who think they're in love talk about sitting outside the place they work. <laughs> I don't know, but this song was, it was on the album. We always had, yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Like, okay. So this song, that song transports me to the back seat of my sister's car. Of It was some junker. We called it the Bonge Mobile. <laughs> And my sister, my sister was obsessed with Bon Jovi. I was fine with them. They weren't a particular yep. favorite of mine, but when I was in her car, that's what was playing. Mm-hmm. And we had another friend who would ride shotgun with her. I'm in the back. And we would, we pretended we were in Bon Jovi. Like I was Richie Sambora. That was the role <laughs> I was, <laughs> my, sorry, my, my best buddy. <laughs> My best buddy in the, in the you know passenger seat was Tico. What was it Tico Torres? Torres the, yeah. The, yeah, the drummer. <laughs> and my sister was was John Bon Jovi. Mm. And so we would sing this song, um, and somehow it became opera. Somehow we, okay. we would sing this song. Oh yes, okay, cat, demonstrate it. Go. <laughs> There's no way. Cue the orchestra. Music. I'll play the music. Yeah. Do you need music in the background? Someday, the union today. Down the no, only on the, only on the yeah. chorus. Oh, on the, oh. Uh, oh. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, um, so, but over and over. So I, I guess the part I have to stress about this is I was not a particular Bon Jovi fan, mm-hmm. but I, I, it just grew on me. And so if, when this song comes on, on the radio, I cannot help but sing. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Well, are you singing in an opera form at the time when you do it by yourself? Um, yes. You know, oh, okay. yeah. Of yes. course. Yes. The way Kat sings it, Bon Jovi gets all the way there, not just half. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Everything's better. All right. Hey, that's all the songs we're going to share tonight. Uh, oh. Let's see. I think I got some see other folks who wanted to share some memories here quickly here. Okay. Uh, oh, I like this one. Nick says, the heat is on. Uh, always takes me back to the first time I snuck out of my bedroom late at night to watch an R-rated movie. Oh. Beverly Hills Cop was on Showtime and seven-year-old me had to watch it. <laughs> I man, I was not that gutsy when I was seven. Um. I was too afraid of my parents. <laughs> I didn't have to sneak out because our house was so small. Yeah. 
And from the bedroom, I just had to crack the door a little and I could see Watch whatever the TV. They have. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, Bill says, from the 80s, Can't Fight This Feeling by Ario Speedwagon. First concert I ever took a girl to. Yeah, those romantic memories, yeah, man. Powerful Tell songs. You. Yeah. yeah. What else do we got here? Oh, Brandon says, uh, welcome to the jungle by Guns N' Roses. I was seven or eight growing up in a small trailer in Southern Illinois where I shared a bedroom with my older brother. Every time Welcome to the Jungle came on, the volume was turned up. It was one of those songs that proves that the 1980s was a decade of cultural importance. Even at seven or eight years old, I knew that I was hearing something important and everlasting. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Yep. Francisco <laughs> says, I do remember the very first time I heard Everybody Wants to Rule the World. My sister bought the cassette at Zodi's, which was pre-Kmart. I was three years old. Oh, I took wow. a nap, and when I woke up, the song was playing, and since then, I've loved it. Well, right on. Wow. Francisco, I don't remember anything from three years old. I, man, <laughs> this is out of the study's range. That's yeah. powerful stuff. Huge. Wow. That's wow. Huge. Uh, so there you go. That's probably plenty for today, right? All right. Hey, uh, if you got a song that we didn't mention, let us know. Let us know what the memory is, even more important. Yeah, so more importantly. Love to know. I just, yeah. I, I think there's only one song that I have a- uh, uh, any remotely romantic uh, connection to. Okay. Um, what's the Guns N' Roses song? Uh, that there's a slow one. Uh, Sweet patience? Child of Mine? Oh, Patience. No, no Patience, yeah. Mm. Because there was uh, somebody I had a crush on at oh. a dance. And I, I flung, <laughs> well, <laughs> I flung my arms around <laughs> his, around him to this slow dance, but it wasn't Sweet Child of Mine. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Uh, he might have been doing the serpentine before. Softly that, draped over. Could have been. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. Well, anytime you have one of the hour songs, that's gonna that's gonna have all those hooks in it too, right? But I didn't have. Yeah, like I, I didn't I didn't have uh, the romantic experiences that I wanted <laughs> during mm. this period of time I see. Yeah. <laughs> during adolescence. But yeah. and, it, and it is interesting, right? Again, it's you know based on our experience. Like my wife and I have a song. Mm-hmm. But we picked that song kind of, and it had, mm-hmm. there's a history as to why it beca- that became our song. Sure. sure but yeah. it's not, we, other than that, I don't, I don't have a lot of strong memories. And part of it, I guess, is like mm-hmm. how our brains stop storing data the way it does during those younger years. Mm-hmm. And part of it all is also you get to an age where you don't have these momentous life events mm-hmm. anymore. You know, I guess yes. maybe having a kid is maybe the last one. If you, if you have any kids. Just another day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, sadly, everything's just another day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Except when we record our show. And speaking of that, that that's our show. There you go. And so. our show is brought mm-hmm. to you, thanks in part to our early adopters, Rick Parker and yeah. Karen Flieger. Oh, the best. Thank you. And thank you especially to our Secret of Our Success Level Patreon supporters, yeah. Brandon Greer, yep. Marcus Taylor, Tony Great, mm-hmm. Nick Guillory, Craig Coletta, Matt Marino, and John Henderson. Like I, I really don't know where Kat's going. She does give me that little clue that I know she's coming to the end of the list. Hey, <laughs> well, she does the big so, flourish. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, thank you so uh, much, uh, all of our supporters that help us uh, pay the bills. Yes, uh, that they allow us to produce this show and publish it week after week, and even stream to you. There's costs involved in that. All these costs. Everybody wants money. I want to live in the Star Trek era, John. Right, mm. there's no money in the Star Trek year. You just do right. stuff and you get get the stuff you need. Yeah. As long as you're in the Federation. I mean, there is gold press Latinum for those that aren't part of the Federation, but yes, you want to be on the ship. I get it. What? <laughs> I just did that to lose cat. That's the only reason I did it. And it worked. 
Oh, oh she's giving Ooh, you a spot. Well uh, Vulcan. Uh, that was a long way of saying thanks to all our supporters. Yes. We really thoroughly appreciate it. If you're able to support us, please do so. You can do so by visiting 1980snow.com slash support. There's a bunch of ways on there, including go to Patreon. Or you could just uh, make a comment to post, send us an email, just like the ones that we shared earlier today. You bet. Uh, hey, mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Uh, check out that interview I have with Liz Worth. Again, I think it was a real uh, fun, casual conversation about a lot of the things that we touch base on our regular show. Uh, that's that. Until then, uh, we will talk to you next time on 1980s Now. Until next time. Bye-bye now. 